Hi, I'm Leah Potter. And I'm Meredith Roten. This is the Hatchet's weekly podcast from the second oldest newspaper in D.C., covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. Leah, you have a story this week about a student who is developing a new product to help with an experience that a lot of students, unfortunately, have dealt with in their time at college. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I spoke with student Danya Sherman, and she's a junior. She founded this company called NoNap, and that's spelled K-N-O, so it's like being in the know. Oh, gotcha. And it's a company that is working to develop these napkins, and essentially they can detect when a drink has been drugged with something. So you would just take a few drops of a drink and put it on the napkin, and then there's a chemical in it that allows it to change color. So where did the student get inspired to create this product? Donnie was taking a class spring 2017, and this class was focusing on developing uh, different businesses, different companies, uh, more working towards kind of becoming a young entrepreneur. And in her class, her professor had them do kind of this competition type thing. So they were developing their own company, their own ideas, and then competing based on like what product they might develop. So for her particular company, she wanted to draw from personal experience, but also looking at what college students might need in different situations. And unfortunately, like you said, this is a situation that a lot of college students, especially those coming directly out of high school that might not have a lot of experience uh, going to parties, might not know about uh, the possibility that their drink might be drugged. Can you tell me a little bit more about the personal experience that inspired her to create this product? She was studying in Spain for one semester and had an experience with one of her friends there. And she talked about how this was just a major betrayal of trust and that she was taken aback by the fact that this was someone that she thought she knew and really thought about wanting to empower people around people that they might know. So making something like a napkin that's discreet and wouldn't be super obvious so that someone's not uncomfortable with people they knew. And she definitely wants to take this company both to the national level and she said also the international level because this guy is still international, as she said, and she wants him to one day see this company and realize that he was the reason she started it. And creating your own product, I'm sure, is not an easy thing to do. So how is she doing it? Does she have any help for mentors? Her professor for the class that she took, Professor Frey, who's an adjunct professor of business, was for sure one of her key mentors, along with uh, different students at GW. She worked with multiple students at University of Pennsylvania, and then she also collaborated with a lab in Massachusetts, and they were essentially in charge of helping her develop more the mechanics of the product, you know, what chemical was going to have in it, how it was going to work, how it was going to change color, and that sort of thing. And then she also took a semester off to work in an incubator type environment where she was really working on honing in on her product and kind of what she wanted the main message to be. How did Sasa help her with this product? She worked mainly with the director of peer education, who is Emily Harrison. And the main thing she wanted in terms of consultation from Sasa was going over all of the language that they were using. So again, making sure that it was inclusive, making sure that it wasn't going to be triggering, and then also getting some help in terms of social media presence. So releasing content, scheduling content. Another cool thing about the company is that it's not just going to be selling products. It's also about 
educating people about drug facilitated assault so that was another thing that she was looking into with sasa here is emily harrison who is the director of peer education for sasa talking about her involvement with nonap it's not about making sure that something doesn't happen to you um it's about empowering you and making you feel a little safer in you know an unknown environment but also about educating people so that this isn't an issue that we constantly have to worry about. The education side is supposed to help move us forward so that we don't have to keep worrying about this. And I think in the last couple of years, people have heard about kind of similar products. Like I heard about a nail polish Mm -hmm. that you could dip in your drink to see if it was drugged. Yeah, so that I believe came out a few years ago. And yeah, like you said, it was a nail polish and you could put it in your drink and it would change color. There were a few issues that came up with that. One was cross-contamination, just like getting nail polish in your drink. Uh, The other was that it was pretty much predominantly marketed towards women. And one thing that Danya is looking to achieve with her new product is that it'll be marketed towards everyone, everyone of every gender, every sexual orientation. It's not going to be exclusive because assault doesn't Mm -hmm. just happen to one gender. Another thing that she wanted for this product was for it to be discreet. And while nail polish can be discreet, everyone has napkins around at parties. It's a pretty common household item. It's not going to look suspicious if you have it out. Thanks, Leah, for giving us the lowdown on this new product. And I am interested to see it when it finally comes out. Yeah, I'll keep you updated. I'm here with Danny Grace, our Metro editor, to talk about two recent resignations in the University Police Department. Thanks for coming on this week. Thanks for having me, Leah. I'm excited to be here. Tell me, what's going on with UPD? So basically, uh, last week we got an announcement um, that both the assistant chief and the chief of police are going to be stepping down and resigning from their position, um, which kind of came out of the blue. Uh, a lot of people really liked having Brackney there. We talked to an essay senator about how she did a lot of things for students, um, advocated for you know, student understanding of the UPD and the Student Rights and Responsibilities Office. Um, so we're just trying to figure out a little bit more about that. Uh, lots of experts said that this could have something to do with the new university president coming on. Um, you know, some of them speculated he has people that he trusts already, that he would rather have the department. Um, but other experts also said that you know, leadership in general was just um, having issues with the direction that the department might be going in. And how long had Chief Brackney been at GW before? Chief Brackney was appointed in May 2015, so she's been here for less than three years. Can you give me a little bit of background about Chief Brackney's past work at GW since when she was brought on the team to her resignation? Sure. So Brackney was appointed in May 2015, like I said before. So since then, she's been improving relationships with students. The Foggy Bottom neighborhood, she was a part of the program where she bought fleet of segways so that officers could have more interaction between the community. She launched a digital campaign to encourage student safety. I talked to Amani Ross, a student senator, earlier today, and she was talking about how Brackney was instrumental in making sure that students are treated fairly across the boards. She helped to distinguish the blurry line between GWPD and the Student Rights and Responsibilities Office because there are different departments, but students don't always understand those differences. Like when I first met her, um, it was during the essay election uh, two years ago. Um, I was running and I got to meet her, and um, this was also when I started my affinity, the Women of Color Affinity, um, and she immediately gave me her 
cell phone number and said if you needed anything, um, just give me a call. Uh, she gave me a tour of her office and whenever I had any questions about SRR or just GWPD and, um, at all, like she would just give me good information and sort of um, guide me as well as she was very supportive of the affinity in student safety uh, during the election. Um, she checked in on us and during like certain like incidents incidents on campus, um, she always checked in. So she was a phenomenal um, chief, I would say, personally. And circling back to what experts were saying about how President LeBlanc might have a new vision and he's bringing on new people to his team, can you kind of expand on that? What might he be looking for here and what might this mean for administrative turnover? Well, a couple of experts said that he might have people that he trusts more, um, that he knows will do a good job of heading the department. Maybe he just doesn't see completely eye to eye with the way that the department's being led right now. Experts also said that this is not an uncommon practice for new leadership to bring in their own team and that this happens, you know, in sheriff's office, in you know, metro departments, not just in university level police departments. So it's not completely unexpected and that probably has something to do with you know, le- new leadership in the university in general. What did the university say about these resignations? Did they have anything similar to add or did they give a different reason? The university didn't really give a lot of details as to why the resignation happened. All they said was that GWPD was going to continue to provide safety and security to their students and that they don't think that the interim chief or the interim assistant chief will have any hindrance on the ability to do that. Did the university say anything as to when they're going to appoint permanent uh, people for these positions or is there even a search going on? Are they doing any kind of reevaluation of the department? They didn't give any specific details about when the new chief would be instated or if the current interim chief would just continue to serve. Experts said that it's possible that they would promote from within the department if they had somebody in mind, but that often universities will go outside of the department for the chief position if they want them to go in a different direction. In addition to these two resignations, it seems like there's kind of been a slew of departures, more noteworthy ones, including Peter Konworski, Dean of Student Affairs, but also more recently, the Dean of the Virginia Campus and the College of Professional Studies, Ali Eskandarian. With these past resignations, it seems like the university has been pretty closed-lipped about the process. Was that also the case with these two? We had very little information in the press release that the university sent out. There was no comment from Police Chief Brackney in the press release that the university sent out last week. So we really have no other information other than the fact that Daryl Darnell said that Michael Glaubach and Chief Brackney decided it was the right time to step down from their positions. What should we be looking out for in the coming weeks? Basically, we're just going to find out how long the interim chief and interim assistant chief will be in these positions and the timeline of them trying to find somebody else to fill those positions. We're going to be looking at who they're looking for, what kind of experience and background that these new department heads are going to have, and what they'll be doing for the university in the coming years. Thank you so much, Danny, for coming on this week and telling us about these two resignations. Yeah, thanks for having me, Leah. Liz is here to start our new year off right with some new music. Yes, I am. This week, we have a story about a sophomore in the business school who's actually a part of a pretty popular indie rock band called Snail Mail that's going to be performing at Coachella and the South by Southwest Music Festival this spring. 
Okay, I do actually have a disclaimer with this story. I am a huge fan of snail mail, and everyone needs to know that going forward. (laughs) Good. Now that I have that out of the way, tell me a little bit more about the student. Yeah, so Ray Brown is his name, and he is a sophomore, and he's actually in the business school, which was kind of surprising for me to hear, but he's a drummer in snail mail, and... Um, He joined in March of 2016, so he has been in the band for a little while. He actually joined before he started here at GW. And did he talk to you about how he kind of balances going to GW and being in this band? Because they tour, obviously. Mm -hmm. So at first it was a little bit hard for him to balance, and they were mostly doing local shows, so it wasn't too difficult to miss class or anything. They were mostly performing in Baltimore and other local cities so it was like weekend trips and things like that but now that they've kind of gotten more popular um, and then have these big gigs at these music festivals it's hard so he's actually taking this semester off to do some touring and then to perform at the two festivals yeah how how is he feeling about playing at Coachella He's excited. He was saying that he really hasn't been to a festival that big at all, um, even just to go to see the bands himself and let alone be on the stage. So he's really excited. And I mean, these are huge music festivals. Coachella has like hundreds of thousands of people attend every year. And South by Southwest has like 30,000 attend. So it's they're huge festivals. For those listeners that haven't really heard of this band, how would you describe their music? Their most popular song is called Thinning, and it definitely has that guitar-heavy, really classic indie rock sound. They were actually just featured in September of 2017 in the New York Times story about women making some of the best rock music of today. The lead singer is Lindsay Jordan, and she does all of their lyrics, so she writes all of the songs, and a lot of them focus around things about like being a teenager, living in the suburbs, things like that. I feel like I really need to know, is he going to be a rock star, or what is he doing in the business school? Right now, his plans are to continue working with the band and touring and doing all of that stuff. And then he's hoping to use his business degree to get involved in music production or like other things, like the business side of music. So not quite a rock star. Maybe on the side. In case you weren't checking your Hatchet app over break, here are a few stories that you missed. A chemistry professor is currently suing the university because she is alleging that she was wrongfully accused of an inappropriate sexual relationship with a student. However, while this lawsuit is going on, the university is called for a dismissal of the case. Also over break, the dean of the Virginia Science and Technology Campus and the College of Professional Studies, Ali Eskandarian, announced his resignation as he will be taking a sabbatical. In lighter news after much anticipation Panera Bread opened last week in the Marvin Center. That's all for this week and from all of us here at the Hatchet we're wishing you a great start to your new semester. 
Thank you for tuning in to hear all the news happening in Foggy Bottom and around GW. You'll hear from us next week with Getting to the Bottom of It. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by news editors Leah Potter and Meredith Roden and featuring culture editor Liz Provincher. This podcast is produced by assistant video editor Ariana Dunham, managing editor Tyler Loveless, and assistant copy editor Emma Tyrell. Music was provided by Olk Studios. Special thanks to Danny Grace for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. See you next week.